I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and it's hobbit week Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yes it is hobbit week and as we all know um thursday and friday of this week which is actually when this show airs i will be in line probably an hour seven of waiting in line to get into the midnight imax hobbit um, so it is good days for Geekdom. <laughs> yes. Uh, although sad days for Geekdom, too, because thanks to The Hobbit and its uh, uh, second and third follow-up films, we are having delays on Sherlock being aired until, like, 2014 now. Boo. Which is not okay. Cause <laughs> they're done shooting two and a half of them. What could possibly be taking so long? Because they are going to not be able to do press or anything else other than Hobbit crap, I guess. Oh, come so. on, guys. You don't need sleep. Just, you know, <laughs> be in front of the cameras all the time. We promise we love you. Exactly. But before um, we get into discussing the Week in Geek and what our discussion topic is for the second half of the show, I'm going to introduce my lovely cohorts in crime, Ren Willox. Hello. And special guest host, Barb Brees. Hi, everybody. She's back. She's back. Yay. (laughs) So, Barb, you have, um, get you some pimping out here. You have a show on the uh, network as well. And tell us a little bit about it and when we can find it. Okay. Uh, Yeah, we have a new show and it's called Behind the Screams. And it's myself and my two co-hosts, uh, Nez Wilburn and James McGuire. And they're pretty well known in the haunt industry, the home haunter industry. Um, basically, what we do is we just bring people on uh, within the horror industry, both that are participatory, both in front of the camera and behind the camera, like special effects folks. And like I said, the home haunters. Um, we do get a couple of more well-known celebrities here and there. Um, and basically, it's just a real chill, laid-back time. We usually have a good time. We um, we get a little carried away every now and then. But uh, <laughs> never. It's shocking, isn't Not it? Not you. Not I you. I know, right? <laughs> Just but bring um, a yeah, you, in the red velvet cake. Oh my god! And the nuts and the, and the, nuts. the whipped cream oh. icing and all that. Yeah, <laughs> good times. <laughs> oh, but yes. uh, yeah, man, you you guys can find us. Um, we air Friday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. Sweet. Yes, so, ma'am. Yay. yay! Another woman hire host. Yay! yay. Right. Sorry, I got carried away there. But cool. <laughs> Barb and I started out together on this uh, this uh, radio thing that we've got going on, and I think it's great that she's got her own show now. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank um, you for your support, Jess. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Fellow okay. women. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, so, that being said, let's roll into the Week in Geek because um, I've got a little bit actually to talk about. Um, speaking of Benedict Cumberbatch, who we've just been complaining that we won't see him in his wonderful long, well, not, we won't see him in his wonderful long coat a la Sherlock, but we will be seeing him in his wonderful, uh, sinister long coat in Star Trek, uh, Into Darkness. And, um, so this week, there's a possibility that they have released the name of the character he's playing. 
but it's not Khan and it's not Gary Mitchell. So now everyone's thinking that this is maybe a red herring, but the name applied to his character on a production still that was released this week is John Harrison. Nice. There is, yeah, John Harrison, which is the most bland, blase name you can find. Agreed. And I think I agree with everyone when they're they're saying that's a red herring. Who the hell is John Harrison? So I I don't know what I think about that, but I do know that I've um, I read some stuff about the first nine minutes that they're going to be showing in front of the Hobbit, and we don't find out his name there either. They're going to stretch this out until we all die. <laughs> and, don't, yeah. and we'll die without knowing. He probably won't even have an effing name in the movie at this point. <laughs> He's just going to be the man in black. Exactly. Um, That's all listed in the credits, too. Yeah. It, it was a Benedict Cumberbatch as a question mark. And, and they'll do it <laughs> like Karloff. Yeah, like Frankenstein. Uh, so, no word yet on, on who he is. Um, but we do get a very fetching photo of him, Kirk, and Spock. Um, together in their very tight Starfleet shirts. And he does, in fact, have a Starfleet insignia on his. So, I don't know. I don't know. It could be, um, could be a red herring. Maybe he is the plain John Harrison. I have but, a question for you, Jay. Yes? How, how bummed would you be, and if not bummed at all, that's a perfectly fine answer, but how bummed would you be if he turned out to be a completely original character and not Khan and not the other guy? I wouldn't be bummed, but after all the hype and the mystery that they've been going on and on and on and pulling out with this, I would be sort of let down that it wouldn't be some glorious... Let down is a type of bummed. You can't say I, I guess I would. Bummed, I guess I, I would wouldn't. be bummed because they could have just set the record straight months and months and months ago and said, no, he's not Khan. No, yeah. he's not Mitchell. But instead, they've just been drawing it out and keeping it a mystery, which is its own neat thing, sure. But at the same time, it's kind of like, man, you're just, pl- you're just yanking the proverbial ween of, of fandom yeah. um, with this. So yeah, I, he's, I don't... Got, he's got to turn out to be somebody, like at this yeah. point. I mean, they already did the nameless villain in the first one. Like, nobody had ever heard about the time-traveling Romulan guy. Nero. Um, no one had, Nero was completely original. And so, with yeah. this being the second movie, everyone assumed that this would they're be They're going to go launch into gonna, the canon. Right, right. And, and second movie... Second movie of original Trek had Khan. It was badass. It went back to the original series. And it was really amazing. Probably one of the best sequels ever made. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I to this day, I absolutely love it. And there's no doubt my husband does. Because he... We... Okay. Here's, here's why we're married. Here's why I'm married to my husband, Troy. When that trailer... <laughs> when this when this when this trailer was released, um, my husband and I stayed up to twelve fifteen a.m. rewatching the minute and twenty seconds over and over again, piecing together between the two of us what we think the plot is going to be. Frame by nice. frame, right? From that minute and twenty seconds. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, because we did this with, um, it wasn't Insurrection, it was Nemesis, uh, the Tom Hardy uh, Star Trek, uh, where we put together a better film, what we were thinking it was going to be, um, than what they did by like 30 times over with our our plot line that we went with, which was this whole, he, uh, it was uh, some sort of mind meld that he'd stolen uh Patrick Stewart, you know, uh, Jean-Luc Picard's memories and this whole thing and it wasn't this whole crappy clone deal and all of that BS. We had a better plot than that movie had and with a minute and 20 seconds we pieced together things from that trailer that um, I was like, I I paused it and I pointed at the screen and went, that's a funeral! (laughs) And and, um, he goes, I said, look, there's no wheelchair 
Mike dies. And he goes, oh, you could be onto something there. I'm like, and if you look here, these people are all dressed like this. And we were like going for it. And so I, I don't know if that's a spoiler. I'm just pulling shit out of the air, you know, <laughs> but... <laughs> But, you know, I'm looking at this, I'm like, there's definitely somber moment here, and there's no pike. Something pushes Kirk over the edge. He's attacking while all these people are gathered. That's a funeral. Someone died important, you know. And, and so uh, that was going on. And then, you know, we caught that whole f- scene with uh, Spock's hand up against the glass, a la um, Wrath of Khan. And so that was a complete red herring. Because you can tell that that sleeve of the human hand on the other side of the glass is not being worn by Kirk because, first of all, it's not gold. It's not a gold sleeve. It's some regular, um, like, you know, material. And it doesn't look like Kirk either way. So they're trying totally to say that we're flipping it. And and he bought it for a minute. Um, My husband bought it for a minute. He's like, oh, my God, they're going to kill Kirk. And I went, are you full of crap? (laughs) <laughs> they're not going to f- kill Kirk so I'm looking at him like that's Cumberbatch's hand nice you know I'm like I know, nice. those, I know those fingers so yeah I, I, I was like no there's no way so they, they're not going to kill Kirk you can't have this without Kirk that's no, the whole not. point this Absolutely. Whole, yeah this whole arc is all about him and um so I, I think that maybe I think that that is a scene that, well, that publicity still they released is definitely they've captured the Cumberbatch. Um, as we all wish we could. We all wish we could trap our own Cumberbatch. <laughs> trap, a, trap a wild Cumberbatch. <laughs> I'm be very, very quiet. I'm hunting Cumberbatch. <laughs> you know, and so... I think that's from that scene, and I think they're probably having Spot go in and try to mind meld with him via the glass. And uh, t- oh, I hope that's not it. That's that's dumb. Well, trying to figure out who he is, maybe, or why, you know, that kind of stuff. Because they've done that. They've done that before in Trek, where they've used the mind meld to to figure out things and to um, through glass, though. Nah, eh, maybe. Why not? <laughs> try. Well. I mean, you never know. So anyway. That I think is is what may be happening there, or maybe he's just saying hi. Uh, cinematic moment, do you know that'll make perfect sense in the context of the film, which we will all watch and enjoy without having killed it by overanalyzing it to start with. But that's what we do. <laughs> that's what some of us do. That's what we do. We go a little <laughs> bit too far. <laughs> But that's why we do it. Um, so yeah, we take what we can get and we overanalyze and figure it out. And that's what I did with the Dark Shadows trailer, by God. And I got about ninety percent on that one. So nice. there you go. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> it um, is your secret power. It is your my superpower. Secret. Yes, one of many. I have so many because <laughs> I'm yes. awesome. Um, but uh, moving on to Doctor Hootum. Uh, we already found out, like, recently that the new season and the new Christmas special, we're going to be getting a new TARDIS console room. And uh, there's images of that floating around, and it looks really cool. It looks like they've um, they've kind of, uh, from what I've been reading in the descriptions, is they're going to shrink it down a little bit, make it a little bit smaller. But they've also decked it out with what looks like Gallifreyan hieroglyphs of some you know it, it kind of looks like what we were uh led to believe was the doctor's name and text gallifreyan text on the um on the uh, cradle and it looks like those images so and that's in black and white on the ceiling or around the ceiling in the new tardis control room so it looks really really pretty i um hopefully matt smith can keep from blowing this one up mm. well, they can't do worse than what it looked like before that was just Oh. That that was because Matt Smith had to explode it. So they had um, to make it look like crap so that we didn't mourn the loss of the crappy looking controller. Yes, or make it even worse, rub it in. Um, but as I we, know, as, I know, two useless you know, staircases. I I know, I know. Seriously, um, but uh, to kind of lead back into the Hobbit realm because we've been talking about it and, and people that are in it. Hobbit, um, Sir Ian McKellen. 
will be voicing the evil snowmen of the c- Christmas episode. I got really oh, nice. I was about to say, there's no evil snowmen in The Hobbit. No, but there are in Doctor Who. And I, I agree with whoever said it. I think it's funny. Um, I can't remember where I read this, but it was a great line uh, that uh, Stephen Moffat made a deal. Yeah, I, you know, you can, uh, I, I want, you can have my two stars, uh, Peter Jackson, but I want one of your people for my voiceover myself. <laughs> <laughs> and so there was a trade made. You can have uh, Sherlock and Watson, but I get Magneto. I mean, the uh, wizard guy. Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> There's like so many epic crossovers there that I just can't even begin because you can get hitchhikers in there too. Um, so uh, with that uh, going on, we have a new trailer just released. I think it was either released today or yesterday, um, sometime this week, uh, The for After Earth. With Will Smith and his son Jaden. And I watched the trailer. And all I have to say is. It looks like Will Smith. And his and uh, Will Smith Jr. Is as I'm going to call him. Um, have Are fighting more CGI. Than I think he even fought Nine Legend. In this. Oh wow. It That's looks. It's, it looks. I, I don't even know how to describe it. It. Uh, it looks it and it's M Night Shyamalan, so oh. and Yay. it's <laughs> and and I don't I just it looks so fake. I mean oh. the whole thing looks so fake. I I, I don't seen, I haven't seen this yet. I'm gonna have to right after the show because yeah, I don't know me, Jay. I still hold out the biggest, I, most I, incredibly brightest candle of of devotion to that man. Because I still I, think I he can do incredible things, and it it may be the most foolhardy candle of hope ever, but it's mine. And um, so while I'm apprehensive, I'm I'm gonna watch that trailer. And, it looks uh, so fake, though. It's and and he can, oh. I, you know what he really needs to do. I wish he'd just go back to doing the character-driven stuff that he used to do instead of yeah. trying to live up to. The problem is he tried that, but like the last time he tried that, it was probably one of the worst films I've ever seen in my the life. Happening? Yes. Oh. The last time he oh, tried character driven, yeah. that was painfully bad. But I, yeah, I, st- I don't know, man. I, I, smoke, I, he's though. so Somebody sweet. He's such a nice and- little guy. He's such a nice guy. I, I want him to do good again. I want him to become that great Hitchcockian light that we saw at the beginning mm-hmm. but I don't know if it was a matter of just his own hype ate him up alive or if, if our own you know the own the internet and it's its own sense of sarcasm and bitterness <laughs> turned us <laughs> all against him <laughs> and, and, I don't know I, I feel bad I, I wanted him to do so I wanted him to do some amazing things because god man Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Yeah, that is the one. The one right. that that one is just amazing, and the the things that are hidden in it, and the like, how every shot's like a frame mm-hmm. of a comic book. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I this just doesn't. It doesn't feel like him. Does that make sense? It, it, it feels, does. You know, it does. But he's not. He's not trying to be himself anymore. Because. I mean, after Unbreakable was the Village, which was marginal. I, I, the first time I saw it, I actually remember having some genuine. No, uh, the, I wasn't life. Unbreakable. After Unbreakable, it was um, Signs. Oh, sorry, Signs, of course. Signs right. was no, good. I, always, I like for some Signs. Reason, I always swap Signs and Unbreakable. I like Signs. Those three, you can put those three in a box and happily watch all three till the cows come home. They're fantastic. Even people diss Signs. I don't diss Signs. I like that film. The Village was the first step down to the road mm-hmm. to Purgatory, and, and then. Uh, Lady in the Water was kind of effed up. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> and then from, oh. from there, it just gets worse. But the problem is he tried. After after Signs, he went again character-driven. And after that, he went again character-driven. And after that, he went again character-driven. And he kept failing at it. And I don't think he even knows why. I think, I don't know. I don't know if he was a victim. Like, cause when I talked to him um, about, his, uh, about, about Devil... Mm-hmm. Which he didn't direct, but I think was tainted by the harsh reaction of people from the happening. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. when they saw his name come up, you hear people you know, actually groan loud. Yeah. In the- I I think that that um, I think that uh, he at that point was so disheartened and I think that he actually even though he wouldn't admit it I think that the studios pushed to say you know we know you're the master of that change up at the end you're the twist you know you're the twist master you have to get it going and and you get trapped in that as a filmmaker you're screwed yeah because you're always looking for for the twist and and I've got to deliver I've got to deliver and you know you can't write like that Mm mm-hmm you got to write what you're feeling and what you're 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 trying to the story you're trying to tell, not to cater to the expectations of people. Exactly. You're making what you, you know, and that's how you get screwed. So yeah, sad. Um, but yeah, I'm watching this and I'm thinking in my head, oh God, it's they're they're trying to make him do his version of Avatar or something. Um, and well, and what's funny is that to me, this movie doesn't look interesting at all i mean it looks like it's been done it's so overly cg it it just looks like a cartoon Mm -hmm. um but then there's the oblivion movie with tom cruise that looks really good and and really slick and you know there's a difference in good special effects and mediocre and the the tom cruise movie probably has a better budget too but it also looks good you know like it looks slick it doesn't look forced cg looking things mm-hmm. they actually look like real equipment and um and that looks it more interesting to me but just, i'm curious to see what that trailer think. sorry i just oh, watched that trailer but i didn't see much in the way of maybe i wasn't paying close enough attention but a lot of what i saw was was physical landscapes and physical sets and physical props. I didn't see much CG in that. Right. Well, and that's the thing. You know that those spaceship things that he's riding around, that's all. Oh, that's yeah. got to be CG. But it's good CG. You know, it's yeah. not not obtrusive, not fake animals. So mm. I'm curious, because I know you're a fan of M. Night, I'm curious to see what you think of that trailer. So God, you'll have to... You know what? <laughs> We could pause and I could watch it and I'll come right no, back. No, 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 no. We, <laughs> we gotta keep going. We gotta keep moving. Gotta keep moving. Um, so the next thing though that I have to I have to bring up because I know Ren will be excited, um, possibly because I know he's one of her favorite actors and there's a chance yeah. that we might. Okay. Um, Tron Three has a writer, Woo! and Wait. all I can Wait. think about is Killing, Killing Murphy. Killian nice. Murphy, who, who uh, I talked to and told him, we need you in all black and red. <laughs> yes, nice. please. Yes, please. <laughs> he, and he, the, I, you know, and my 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 only my only thought was when I read Tron Three, writer attached was Killian Murphy in glowing red and black leather, and <laughs> Tron being in my Tron movie. Because hell, I would yes. love to have a Tron movie with Tron with in it. Tron in right? it, that'd be nice. But <laughs> you put, put your in my Tron. You put your Tron <laughs> in my Flynn, and we get a whole other kind of movie. Absolutely. <laughs> There's the interface. One that I oh would, no, no. I would, be, I would be on the fence about watching that one in 3D. Frankly, it was. It, we call it. It would be called Prawn. <laughs> oh, nice. Prawn 6.9 yes <laughs> oh god I'm sure it's already been made um, but I, that's all I can think about is we need to have evil spawn of Dillinger or MCP come after our heroes and be a badass and, and yes. have Tron actually be Tron because Box Lightner is sex personified yes. to me uh, from my adolescence Scarecrow Woo-hoo. heck yeah um, yeah, bring him back alive. Even I remember. <laughs> for anybody who doubts the physical ferocity of Killian Murphy, because they've seen recent things where he's, you know, in smaller, more subdued roles, just remember. Uh, oh my God, I can't believe his face's name. Um, Twenty-eight days later, mm-hmm. uh, the final, the final climactic scene where he kind of goes a little bit crazy with a crowbar and just destroys everything. So keep uh, <laughs> that in mind. Imagine that only in a computer, hopefully still with a crowbar, and that will be that is a film. I would watch that. 
Heck yeah. You watch anything Jim. with him. Just admit it, Ren. Admit you have a problem. It's the first step in getting yeah. better. <laughs> well, the one thing that now that makes Rachel's or Ren's day. And um I have to bring up the thing that I just read about today that just makes me want to go ha So we'll leave it there. Um <laughs> Alice in Wonderland is getting a sequel. Yay! Her. So Jessica's happy. Um, and uh, that the, the thing that's funny is uh, the novel or, or the actual original script that I wrote, I, I wrote, I wrote the script to Alice yes, in Wonderland. you wrote the script. I, I made it up in my head. <laughs> um, now, the, uh, the original script that I read was far was different in a lot of ways from what they actually filmed and it's interesting some of the um in the novelization that was released to it they actually screwed up on the editing and left a couple of lines from the original script in there and um so there's like this whole scene where when the hatter and alice are celebrating that they won and beat the um the red uh, the queen of hearts he dances her around and then kisses her and they screwed up and they left the line in there about he let her go after he did the futter whacking, which had nothing to do with her kind of thing. So it was mm-hmm. like, why would he, he didn't have a hold of her. Where did that line come from? So um, I don't know if that was Johnny being Johnny and saying, oh, it'd be like kissing my daughter because she's so much younger than me. Well, it never stopped you before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, Jessica. Feisty. Um, so anyway. Now they're they're talking about doing a sequel, which I think would be great. I I'm all for it, you know, because now you've got Alice going off and doing her adventure in the in the uh, real world, and you can and the and the Queen of Hearts wasn't offed. You don't they didn't off off um, the uh, knave. So you've got all of these characters still around, and I think is they could the, do. Is it still helmed by um, Mr. Tim Burton? <laughs> They don't know how much of a uh, input he's going to have in it, if he's going to direct it or not, or that kind of thing. Um, I'm curious to see what happens. It may even be fortuitous for Johnny to do this movie without Tim, because mm, only Johnny can be right. the hatter. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I think Johnny Johnny can, is the hatter. You can't right. have this movie without him being the hatter in it. I mean, he he created a ma- an amazing character. Um, I think it would be neat to see this world taken on by someone else say i don't know del toro that would be cool um take on it i don't know if he'd be able to have the time for it but it would be interesting to see his take on it um so i i don't know it would be it'd be cool to see someone else take over the reins uh you know i don't know i've always wondered if danny elfman ever thought about directing a movie oh yeah because the man's definitely got vision and talent, and, and the music that he writes is so visual. It, it, that sounds strange, but his music is visual mm-hmm. and tells stories. So, I don't know. It would be interesting to see what happens. It's kind of like, you know, people s- seem to forget that uh, Nightmare Before Christmas wasn't actually directed by Tim Burton. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I forget that, too. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. He he didn't really uh, he didn't direct that he created that whole world, um, but he didn't direct it, and so it would be interesting to see someone else take characters that he created and and wrote or actually create he helped create and and go with it and see what happens. Um, so yeah, uh, pardon me, my throat is going out on me this week, so I talk too much anyway. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> that's part of the problem but uh it's kind of interesting because all of these movies now you've got oz the great and powerful coming out these are all disney flicks oz the great and powerful you've got uh cinderella is going to be hitting uh they're doing a remake of that they're doing maleficent which looks amazing um with angelina jolie as the evil maleficent and um then you've got god disney is, is that two films Yes. That's that's oh sorry. So I was thinking Cinderella. Maleficent is, is, is I got it mixed up. Yeah. 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 
Um, and, and it's kind of neat because you got Once Upon a Time going on right now. It's just fairy tales everywhere. And Disney just everything now. It's yeah. sort of nuts. How They own all of Marvel. So all that money from all the Marvel flicks is going to Disney. And Star Wars. And yeah, Star right? Wars now. I mean, they they basically got all of the geekdom. Everything. They realized, yeah. yeah. They realized that this is the place to be as uh, the world of geek. I'm just so. hoping that, that after they've kind of pimped everything, maybe somebody will maybe somebody will just have this amazing brain flash and they'll go, hang on, did you know that we could actually write new stories? Like, <laughs> uh, stories that don't exist already, you know, we can create something that's not been rehashed before. I'm just, oh, whatever. I'm just kind of waiting for, I'm waiting for the retellings of st- stories I already know to um, maybe go out of fashion. Maybe I'm too early. Like, I'll see them. I'm sure I'll see them and I'll like them, but new stuff, guys. Come on. That's one of the things that, you know, that's the old Hollywood adage is what we know what sells, we're going to keep with it. Mm hmm. No, but and, yeah, I mean, there's always a there's always a degree of that. I just feel like more so than ever right now. There's that's the that's the all we have. That's damn near all we have. And well, I think it was funny. I think it was. Yeah. Um, oh, I think it was Film Drunk that was saying that the remakes of everything previous I, may have ran its course with how bad Red Dawn was. That we've gotten to that level now where we can't have remakes anymore because Red Dawn was just so bad you know and it was precursored by Footloose that kind of then you yeah. have Red Dawn and you're at like <laughs> bottom yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, for, me, it's, for me it's not even an issue of good or bad I mean I don't if it's if it's bad it's fine if, it, if it's good I'll still watch it but I'd like to see something I don't know the ending of well Del Toro is uh, getting back into the directing and he's doing more horror stuff now which is always good and he's getting ready to do um, a new haunted house flick yes oh, cool. so that's that's a good thing and also by the way I have to bring this up um, and because there needs to be a movement because this is happening apparently a Pan's Labyrinth musical is being made apparently it's happening on stage I don't know how much involved, on stage I don't know how stage. much Del Toro is involved with this or not for sure I'm, I'm guessing some at least but we have to start a petition that Doug Jones mm-hmm. is the fawn in this yes, the man can sing I have heard him everyone's heard him he's awesome he needs to get, be a part of this he stated and, as much on Facebook and if it's at all possible if there's some genius crazy stage uh, uh, makeup artists with like eight arms. If they can have him be both the fawn and the eyeball monster, oh, he'll die. He'll have a stroke <laughs> within two weeks of running. <laughs> He's a, he is a human being, man. <laughs> oh, he can do it. He can do it. Anyway, no. Either way, yeah, he's got to be. If this is a legitimate production, if this isn't some third-rate piece of schlock, but. If it's good, if it's anything no, of merit, they have to have him. How could they not? They Paul Williams, apparently, who is the man that has written some amazing music and was Swan. I believe it's the same Paul Williams. The same Paul Williams that was Swan in uh, Phantom of the Paradise is apparently part of this. So they're partnering to do it. And... Um, <clears throat> I I want to see it. I want to see it happen, and I want Doug Jones to be the fawn because no one else can do that. No one else can do that. Agreed. <laughs> and that would be a you. precursor. Once once he's proved to the people that need that need the proving that he can do something on stage like this, that'll be the precursor to Nightmare Before Christmas musical where he Damn plays Jack right. Skellington. Damn right. Nice. And I get to play Sally for one song. <laughs> <laughs> one night only. For just one song. It's all I need is to be his Sally. I <laughs> <laughs> do it. <laughs> so, um, and I think, I think that's about all I've got. Do you guys have anything else for the Week in Geek? We've actually went over on Week in Geek time. My God. 
I downloaded the Hearthfire add-on for Skyrim, and that's kind of been my life for the last uh, week. <laughs> so, yep. Oh, and, uh, oh, there was a thing. Nope, I've forgotten. If I remember, I'll say it, but I've forgotten. Okay. Barb? Um, I don't really have anything. I've been geeking out on Eli Roth lately. Uh, I've got... Uh, yeah, I, I've got this really big problem with him because I've got like this <laughs> crush on him that's just pissing my husband off left and right. So oh, yeah. Pretty. So every day I've been like looking at the Goratorium page and trying to convince him that we need to go because they've got a couple of cool events going on for the end of the year. And I also am excited that he and Ty West are teaming up to make a movie called The Sacrament. And oh. Yeah, I don't know much about it. Um, I know A.J. Bowen is uh, a cast in it from The House of the Devil. Um, and they're filming it, or I don't know if they're still filming it in Savannah, but they've been in Savannah, which is only like four hours away from me. And my husband's not very supportive of taking a road trip. because <laughs> why, does, yeah. why, does, uh, why does your husband got to go? Well, I don't know. He doesn't really have to. <laughs> Uh, just putting I, that out there. Right? Yeah, he can stay home and watch the kids, and um, I can go by myself. Uh, and if I <laughs> yeah, get lost... come back. <laughs> like, yeah, and then, you know, I could head up to um, Atlanta and maybe find Rooker walking around, because I've been looking at his his Twitter, and he's been hanging, up out, or hanging out up there. So, yeah, I could have an adventure of you epic proportions. You just have to bring red velvet cake, and you can, like, taunt him out the window, like, here, Rooker, 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 Exactly. So, like, put Here. it on my head and just, like, walk up back and forth. And, Don't you want to eat it? <laughs> yeah, you, be spoon. you know how it goes. I, yeah. I have to explain this for Red. Red. Okay. Michael Rooker's favorite dessert, I guess, is red velvet cake. And, and, and there was a very deteriorating conversation that went to bad places about Michael Rooker. <laughs> And red velvet cake many years ago. <laughs> I believe it. Oh, it was. It was. It it was, was yeah, it, it I, was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome, and he did not mind. Yeah. Oh, he, was privy, he was privy to this conversation. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. I know. He, I know he knows it exists. Okay. <laughs> I think it's in the archives somewhere. So if you ever forgot, we could like just put oh, it. We could totally. Like, hey, Hey, Remember this? You should totally. You know what, Barb? You you really do need to come to Horror Hound Weekend in March. I so want to. You, I you really do. I it's in the plans. It's totally in the works <laughs> to uh, make it up there. Believe me. <laughs> oh my gosh! Because yeah, we're gonna have Rooker and Redis. God help <sighs> us all. And then I could just die. I know, I just, right? <laughs> And just like die on the floor at the con, and my <laughs> and it would be keep me grinning. Just dump my body out and back. Put me in the dumpster. You don't even need to have a nice funeral because you know I'd be done. No, you know what I she'd have us do with her body. She would have like tagged to her chest. I know I'm dead. Prop me up between Brooker and Rita's for the photo ops. I'll be okay. Page. <laughs> like Barb's dead, but look. <laughs> It's a great prop. Hey, you know, with all the home haunters and stuff, I'm sure they could stuff me and use me somewhere. I could be like a prop on The Walking Dead. What the hell? Oh, my God. Yeah, there's a, there's a good discussion breaker. Hey, what's that? That's Barb. It's my friend Barb. She's wanted to be your prop. Dude, we could, like, totally redo, like, the weekend of Bernie's idea, too. I, you could use the Rita's sunglasses. <laughs> This drag, and I'm not. Ta- I, I don't take up that much space. I'm not hard to drag around. So yeah, we can, we can look into that, dude. See, Ren, this is what happens at Harvey. <laughs> I, uh, I'm getting that impression. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Okay. So so serious time. Serious time. We only have probably like another 15 minutes of show left here. Um, but we wanted. I wanted to talk about something that. Um, I, I uh, thought would be pro- a good conversation here this week is uh, I've noticed that uh, in the realm of genre 
film and television too uh, that it there's not as much stigma attached anymore and in fact there is some respect being given to people working in genre stuff such as Game of Thrones with Peter Dinklage winning an Emmy. Um, you have Jessica Lang for American Horror Story, who um, I believe either was nominated or won um, for her role in that. And it's it's kind of great to see now. I think we're getting some barriers bro- broken down that used to be there and the stigmas that were attached with working in the in genre um, entertainment. And uh, people are realizing there's some great stuff out there and there's some great stories. So I wanted to talk to you guys and get your take on this. And um, I, 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 I was thinking about it and trying to figure out when that kind of started happening. And I keep coming back to Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. Even though there was a big, uh, big you know, row of people saying, it's really a thriller. It's not a horror movie. It's a thriller. And no, that's pretty horrific of a film. Yeah, I agree. Look, yeah. So, and what's funny to me, though, is the fact that people were so um, impressed and surprised by Anthony Hopkins doing a film like that, even though Anthony Hopkins had worked in the genre previously in Magic Mm-hmm. And I believe, was he and Audrey Rose? I think yes. He was Rose. I think he played and, the father. Yeah. yeah, he was the father in Audrey Rose. And those are two that just stuck out in my mind that he'd done. Now, I, I find that interesting that people um, were so surprised. And thanks to that film, though, with people like Jodie Foster attached to it and, and uh, you know, just how big a deal it was and the fact that it won, like, all these Oscars, it mm-hmm. kind of broke down that stigma. Right. So, what do you guys think? That's my question to you. With uh, because I know Barb's horror girl, and and I know Ren, your um, fantasy and sci-fi girl. Uh, What do you think? Well, I think there's two thresholds. There's the threshold of when it became semi-acceptable in film, and then there's another threshold of when it became semi-acceptable on TV. Mm-hmm. And I think that the that the TV threshold is a lot more recent. I think it was still yeah. kind of. Uh, not the same, not considered the same caliber work to be on a genre show. Right, right, for sure. For sure. And I think a lot of that had to do with, you know, even back when Buffy was doing, I think Buffy really kind of knocked that one out of the park because people realized, even though it didn't, you know, Star Trek was its own thing too. Star Trek kind of, um, it, it made a lot of headway, but it was still being held with, well, but, you know what I learned recently is of seven seasons of Next Generation, and there was some spectacular television in that show, nobody ever won an acting Emmy on that show. Neither did Buffy. None of Buffy, no. Buffy never won one either. But do and you Buffy... remember which one did? Do you remember which, the one that I remember breaking the ice? Is Do you remember those like three years in a row when both David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson won for the X-Files? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, X-Files was, was a big huge. one, too. That was X- huge because they won, though, and they won multiple years. I figured that was that was a coup for genre. Well, and I think that was, but that was the sci-fi. I think uh, I will always think of, even though there was a lot of horrific episodes, sci-fi is always going to ha- hold claim to the X-Files because of the alien quotient. Right. Well, you, um, you just said you just said genre. So are you saying? Yeah. No. No. I, I, but I think there is. I think there was still a stigma more to horror than there was to science fiction. Yeah. They both. They both. You both had to pay your dues with with the, if you were um, in within it. But I think horror still has uh, more of a stigma attached to it, uh, and and I think that was very uh, obvious with what you brought up with the fact that X-Files won acting awards, Buffy never won a single one, and I I dare you to tell me how, even though I have problems with the character sometime with Buffy, but in the body, that episode, Sarah Michelle should have won an Emmy. I agree. That was one of the most powerful hours of television and for that type of programming. Remind and the folks I, what the main plot of that one was. 
her mom dies. Her mom dies. Yeah. And she finds the oh. body, and, and that whole. Sorry, episode... I, did, I thought I thought you said quote in the body. I didn't know you meant just the body. Oh yeah, no! It, the body. No, it was oh, called the God. body. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. And 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 that what was so great about that episode, you know, was the big thing. It it was there was not one supernatural element in it until the very end, and it was mm-hmm. almost a set, uh, uh, afterthought. But I I I still and and some of the stuff that James Marsters did in that series, yeah, uh, you know, and I think it's just phenomenal stuff, and it got it was never given any respect. What about I, the, um the episode with the gentleman? Where it was just totally not verbal, right? and the you know? musical. Yes. Once uh, more, that feeling. Was... I mean, that was amazing. Shit. It <laughs> was, and and it it just didn't get any acclaim whatsoever. So the outside, writers did, like did the, the writers follow. not win. I mean, if we're we're talking the show in general, so we know the actors. Didn't I, win think, things, but I think shows like shows like the gentleman. I could see the writers winning for that. Right. Were they even nominated? Do we know? I, uh, you know, I think that show got the shaft on a lot of stuff. Um, I think it only won stuff like Saturn Awards. Mm -hmm. I don't think it won a single Emmy. I'm checking. I, 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 I'm not familiar. So what about the, uh, what about the counter argument? If we've only, we got limited time. So here's a counter argument. Uh, it won for makeup. Well, of course it won for makeup. That, and that was it. We didn't use makeup. That, it won. It won for makeup, but it it never won for uh, anything else. I don't for think content or anything. Wow, no. that's surprising. It really is. Well, that's, that's one why of the biggest was... slaps in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's why I was so excited for Jessica Lange yeah. to win. She Her got Emmy. A, she got a Golden Globe nom in two thousand one. It got nominated. Yeah, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar got nominated for Best Actress in 2001 for a Golden Globe. Yeah, but not an Emmy. But that's a nom at least. Yeah, no, no, exactly. It was a nomination, but that was it. I mean, I think it was only one time. Yeah. And and it just, to me, it, it's so... It's such a... It's just crap. Because that launched <laughs> so many careers and it gave us thanks to this popularity of that show we got Firefly, we got Angel from those you get all this other stuff I mean, all the careers that were, were launched from that show and all the good stuff that it and it, it uh, not only that, you wouldn't have had Supernatural if Buffy hadn't taken off right you know, and it, that's another thing is like, I, I, I look at all the stuff that you that came from horror, the horror genre and, and the world of sci-fi and the world of horror. And it makes me laugh because people are just now like the normies, if you will, are just now figuring out all the stuff that we've known for years. Mm-hmm. Like well, all this stuff with the Avengers, with Whedon and how awesome he is and how we knew how, you know, we knew he'd do a good job because right. the man has been writing for ensembles for years and able to do it right. Mm-hmm. So that just makes me laugh. And now you've got Game of Thrones, which is this mega hit on HBO. You've got True Blood, which uh, <laughs> is a mega hit and, and has good actors on it. And, and at one time could have given you good story. Um, but Game of Thrones with these quality actors like Charles Dance and Peter Dinklage. Sean Bean for a season. Um, you know, we, <laughs> we 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 have all these guys in there, and and they're not afraid to be a part of it because they know this is good story. And and what's so funny is if you go back to the core of like modern literature and and, and theater, Shakespeare was a big old smutty genre goofball. If you, you read Shakespeare, it's all mm-hmm. there. Oh yeah. So, uh, that's why I find it funny. It's like, well, have you read Macbeth? <laughs> you, yeah, know? You, don't even, you don't even have to go back that far. There's something else that I've been mulling over lately, which is that um, there's an odd. Well, it's not that odd. It's kind of understandable. There's a correlation between the national sort of um, mood and 
the media that we consume. It, you know, what we what we want to see depends a lot about what we're going on, what's going on around us collectively. And the mm-hmm. same thing happened kind of in the forties, or well, yeah, the 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 forties. No, the thirties. Pardon the thirties. Um, in direct relation to uh, the Great Depression, there was this huge sort of boom of fantasy. There was the Wizard of Oz and those kinds of things, and it was it was. You know, a lot of people say it was an in, it was an interest in wanting to escape to a better place, and you know, feel, uh, you know, see a different world for a little while because the world that you were in, you were kind of tired of and wasn't a very nice place. Well, here we have, you know, year four of of a recession in our nation, and so it's not surprising to me that people are, are drifting again towards the fanciful because, you know, the this isn't the time where you have those those gritty, well, we do have some, but not as many of the kind of the um, the big patriotic things or the gritty uh, political dramas or the, you know, the um, hardened anti-hero fighting against the uh, culture or whatever, that kind of stuff of the 70s. We have instead, we have fantasy, we have escapism because we all kind of want to escape a little bit. Not, you know, we're not doing that great. And that's I, that's been my kind of suspicion is maybe that's where the swing is coming from, or partially where the swing is coming. From. No, I think it's true. I mean, it it definitely is a place to go to escape film and tell it TV. That's probably why we're getting all these fairy tales, but they're not your typical fairy tale. They're Hansel and Gretel witch hunters, and they're you know have machine gun bolt action uh, crossbows and and things like that. And they're more of a gritty, edgier take on the tales. They're still fantasy, but you know it's it's a harder edge to it. And I think that's a that makes complete sense because we're we're a far more cynical country Agreed. and world yeah. now. And and we've already seen all the fluffy fantasy. Now we want to see something new. Yeah, and we want it, we don't want you know the we want the princess to save herself. Yeah, because right. you know we're a little bit more. You know, we are the children of Buffy. We we know that you know girls can do yeah. all this stuff, and and that's just how it is. I I think it's it's interesting. That's a good take on it too. Um, I also think that it is it's very awesome that we have these. You know, you you give me my Patrick Stewart, Sir Patrick Stewart, Sir Ian McKellen. You have these guys that are. Uh, forever attached to fantasy and sci-fi and they are reputable men sir anthony hopkins was in the mm-hmm. wolf man mm-hmm. and was awesome in it he, I yeah love odin. I mean, he was odin in thor for flip's sake he was odin he was odin i mean i i and sir kenneth branagh was the guy that directed thor you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think he's been knighted hasn't he been knighted i thought he yeah, was knighted. He's a sir. yeah he's definitely yeah, and, and so for, you've for got... better or worse, that wasn't the most amazing film in the world. But yeah, people are, but are it willing. Gave you, it gave you Tom Hiddleston. <sighs> <laughs> yes, it did. So, yeah, I mean, we've... All this stuff is now... that it, it There's no stigma attached to it. You've got Tom Hiddleston, who ab- obviously loves doing it. He yeah. just eats that roll up like brie on well, a cracker. And he's you know. a nerd too. I mean, he talks about the, the, that his inspiration for acting was watching Christopher Reeves fly around as Superman. Oh. That's what he wanted to do. That's why he wanted to act is so he could fly around as Superman. Aww. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I miss my Superman. My Superman. Now, now we got British Superman, but British Dude. Superman's looking pretty good. Yeah, I, I'll say. Does he yeah. have a British accent? Yeah. No, I don't think he's going to have a British accent. Um, no, uh, I he he looks good though. I they they've released some more stuff from that, and um, it looks it, they're winning me over more and more. As Zack Snyder is because he's good at doing other people's stuff, but not so much his own. Um, mm. But yeah, I love that that picture of him being um, walked through with the in the handcuffs looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I uh, uh, by the way, that 
it's Henry Cavill we're talking about. And not only Henry Cavill is in that, but we've got Russell Crowe in that movie, Lawrence yep. Fishburne, Christopher Maloney, Diane Lane, Michael Shannon's in it. I mean, more another, uh, you know, another one of those movies where you've got a, just a ton of amazing people that are taking a part in a comic book movie. Yeah, it's comfortable. You know, but you know who you know who uh, started that. I mean, if you want to put some some you know chronological markers on on uh, breaking Brian barriers. Singer. Well, Brian Singer did an interesting film, but he didn't cast any huge huge names. I mean, like Hugh Jackman became huge because of that film. Well, and he got him, he, he did get Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen in there. Well, but they're nerds. They like that stuff. The guy <laughs> <who's> <laughs> Is Robert Downey Jr. in Iron Man in 2008? When he did that, everybody else was like, "Okay, it's cool. We can do it too," because Robert Downey Jr. did it. Yeah, but did. you wouldn't have you wouldn't have had an Iron Man movie if it hadn't been for X Men. That's that's arguable. That's an arguable point. And I mean, also Batman too. I don't think you would have had it without those two movies. Well, but when did, when, did Batman, when did Batman um, Begins come out? Uh, the four after Iron Man. It's probably the four, wasn't it? Uh, it was two thousand five. Oh, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, but I think that this whole, I, I think what happened with Brian Singer, why I give props, mad props to the Brian Singer for what he did was, he made a serious comic book movie, true. and and he he told a and a great story. He did get he got a couple of named actors in there, but he 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 cast that movie with actors who could do it and look the part and pull it off in a real sort of world. And he cast Halle Berry. Yeah, I know. I would have with a mod, whatever. Um, And consequential, we got Hugh Jackman out of the deal. Um, Yay! So that what he did there set it up for everyone else to go hey he did it hey look at that that movie made a ton of money hey look at that he it's but i would would it's not cheesy i would still argue that opened the door for filmmakers to not feel nervous about spearheading a a film but i still wouldn't say that opened the door for the actors for the big name actors to say yep i'll sign on to that i think it kind of i think it cracked the door it cracked mm-hmm. the door. Cracked Robert the door. Downey Jr. took a blowtorch and just killed the door. And he said... Yeah, you no, know, he did. And and part of that, though, was uh, Favreau actually got a chance to really do it. The two of them together made that mm-hmm. movie. Agreed. Um, and, but then, of course, Iron Man 2 came along and kind of yeah. pissed out all of that kind of stuff. But Literally. We'll, see what happens ah. with three. <laughs> we'll see with three. We'll see with three. But um, I think we're about to run out of time. Um, so I just I want to wrap up here. And uh, final thoughts on uh, genre and the lack of stigma that we got now with it. Barb. I want to say keep it up. I... Um, t- I touched on it uh, a little bit ago, but Jessica Lange in American Horror Story. Hell yeah. Oh my god. You know, and I'm hoping she signs on for the third season because I can't imagine the show without her now. The interview um, I got to set in on, I didn't get a chance to ask a question because it was so busy. Um, but she did say that um, she would be down for that as long as you know, she loves what Ryan Murphy and those guys do for her and um, she would be down for it if the story was something great, and she has no doubt it would be. So she'd be okay with it. Awesome! Yeah. I just love her, and people forget that she was in King Kong years ago. First so movie again, she was in. Yeah. First so again, movie. it kind of like ties in. So <laughs> yeah, haters need to stop hating and just let people do what the hell they want to do the way they want to do it. There should be no stigma. There should be no boundary. Exactly. It's Red. entertainment. Okay. Exactly, and it's uh, awesome stuff. And you can tell a story. If anyone has proven, Rod Serling has proven, you can use a genre to tell a story and get away with talking about things you don't normally get away with talking about. Exactly, Ren. No, I agree with what you guys both said. I mean, the I think the stigma relates to can um, you know truly depthful stories be told that incorporate new ideas and can truly um, t- 
touching performances be gotten out of those stories? And the question has always been, can you get those touching performances when someone's running and screaming covered in blood? Um, and maybe you can. Maybe it's just really hard. But the more, the more people are allowed to do it, the closer they're going to get to that real quality stuff. And I think we're seeing more quality stuff lately. Yes, I agree. I agree. I think that people shouldn't be afraid because people think that, um, you know, it's the same with with when you meet horror fans and you meet sci-fi fans. People already have a, 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 there's an attachment to that, that people are, oh, you're a Trekkie. Well, you don't bathe and you you live in your mom's garage or something, right? (laughs) That's... Oh, I forget how. No, that's I'm not going to say that. That's that's an antiquated perception, though. I don't think. Uh, it, it's yeah, still. It's, that's but a we're Twilight breaking... fan. Uh, this is this is the one and only time I'll defend a Twilight fan. Update what you just say to instead of Trekkie to say Twilight fan, and then you'll have the truth. Because yes, intelligent people do like Twilight. I don't know why the hell they like Twilight, but they do. Some of them. Um, I, you know what? Not I... I like Twilight for what it is. The It's the people that take it to that nth degree and don't want to learn about anything else. Mm-hmm. Right, so that's, want to, so that's agreed. Know. That's the stereotype. Just like the stereotype w- was with the Trekkies 20 years ago. You know, there's... Um, I've forgotten what your point was now. I'm sorry. Well, my the thing is, you know, that's the stigma that you've got attached to that. Or if you're a horror movie fan, you immediately are considered a Satan-worshipping, uh, blood-drinking, crazy person. Right. You're not. Uh, and No, you're not. And, and so, no, I met you. You've met me. You know, I you haven't seen me drink the blood yet. It happens sometimes, but not quite often. But anyway, the the point is that stigma is still sort of out there, but it's it's slowly getting off to inch by inch. And um, I really think it's great that these people, these you know, people like Tom Hiddleston, people like um, Sir Patrick Stewart, who just want to have fun, even Jeffrey Rush. Johnny Depp, all of these awesome actors and 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 actresses as well. You know, you've got um, people like Jessica Lange who come in with massive cred. You know, and and they go and do a show called American Horror Story, where and and uh, you know, it's just uh, great to see this happen. And Frances Conroy in there too. I mean, oh, I love her. Yeah, some amazing work. And Chloe Moritz, who is a great actress, now is doing Carrie, and she was such an um, uh, awesome in uh, hit as Hit Girl in, in Kickass. These these people can act. They have talent, and it's um, it's awesome to see they're not afraid to be in these kind of films anymore. In fact, they enjoy the hell out of it. Once they do it, they get a taste for it and they want to go back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously, Jeffrey Rush keeps coming back to pirate movies because he loves us being a damn pirate. He just, awesome. likes the big, he just likes the big hat. Well, yeah! Come on! <laughs> Where else are you going to get away with that in the monkey? Come on! <laughs> so, yes, uh, I think we're way over, but uh, yeah, that's uh, there was. I think that stigma is going away, and it's so awesome to see it happen. So yay! Please Hollywood, don't don't stop doing these movies. You can you can go do your Oscar caliber performance in The King's Speech, thirty three and a third, uh, and then go off and do your your vampire movie, or well, and go off and do your Oscar caliber performance in a vampire movie. Exactly right. Spot on. Matthew Good. Stoker. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Nicole Kidman. Stoker. Oh, Time my God. Back in the cage. We're back in the Stoker cage. Stoker. Do yourself a favor. Go watch the trailer to Stoker and have a hanky ready because you'll want to clean up after. Sorry. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. So with that, thank you, guys. Thank you, Barb. Thank you, Ren. It has been thank awesome. You. And we will see you next week after we have watched The Hobbit. Hobbit. Yay! Hobbit. Hobbit. I'm watching it in 48 frames per second. You're not. (laughs) Now you will probably throw up, and I won't. Oh well, there's that. (laughs) We will compare notes on the migraines we get. Apparently, either way. (laughs) I'd love to know what IMAX was, and I'm going to tell you how 48 FPS was. That will be next week. We'll be discussing that. Also, next week, our guest is going to be the awesome cosplayer, because I want to talk about cosplay, um, known as Harley's Joker. Nice. 
He's going to be on our show. And cool. he's cute and neat. So, yay. <laughs> and he dresses snazzy. So, yeah. Anyway, that's Say it for tonight. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Jake. Thank you.